Hey everybody, this is Bob Lament and welcome to Prior Caster. And today I'm talking to PQ River. Now PQ and I have known each other, gosh, I don't know, at least 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> he gave me the he gave me the hand signals there. So yeah, 12 years, at least 12 years. And uh, PQ and I are both affiliated with what's called the Overnightscape Underground or Onsug uh, with Frank Edward Nora. So uh, I, I, tell us a little bit about yourself, PQ, and uh, and uh, what you you know what are you up to right now? Let's put it that way. Well, uh, I live in uh, the strange and remote uh, town of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, and uh, I continue to host a show that I've done for now eleven of twelve years uh, on the Overnightscape Underground, the Overnightscape Central which is a show where literally anybody, there's a topic each week and anybody can send in a segment and be part of the show. And I do the uh, interlocuting and commentary in between <laughs> stuff. You keep it all moving along. So you, you bring us- Well, it moves, it, it's a neat thing because it's already moving before I even touch it. <laughs> it, it it's it's kind of like an APA, but for podcasts. Oh, there you go. Like the, the train conductor, you get everybody on the train and you, it moves and you just go along for the ride. Yeah. But, uh, and, and do you remember when, so I've actually interviewed Frank for this uh, little project. And uh, do you remember whenever you uh, start, found, found Frank's stuff? I think, well, actually, let me ask you this question. So whenever you, is the time that you started doing this, this the time that you found Frank stuff or was it, is it too, too Oh, no, times? I had found Frank. Uh, I had probably heard Frank originally and you, when podcasting started, I was just hungry for it and listening to everybody and not taking names. I was just scattershot, anything I could find, uh, and I'm pretty sure I heard everybody at one point or another uh, and started being a regular Frank listener just before all the Andy Kaufman stuff started. Because I'd been listening to Gene Shepard shows online. And when I searched for stuff like Gene Shepard, he was the first thing that came up in the search engines mm -hmm. at that point. So I, I had. I, I was pretty sure I'd listened to the Overnightscape before, so I listened to it again, and uh, yeah, the rest just kind of snowballed. Yeah, so you're down there in uh, New Mexico, and you're you're listening to stuff. So when did you decide? I think I want to do something like this. Well, at the time, I was in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, okay. So you made a big move. Uh, Oh, yeah. No, I've moved around a couple of times since I started listening and actually podcasting because the first shows I did, I was still just living in Providence, Rhode Island. I was up there running a junk business out of a junk art house. And uh, all day long, I was either listening to Gene Shepard or podcasts while I listed stuff on eBay. <laughs> How interesting. So you're kind of like a modern day Sanford and Son situation going on. Oh, that was I had a business partner who was this old, old guy who really was this artist who had gone to RISD in the 50s. 
just this wild guy who had lived through being a beatnik, a hippie, a punk, and was still, but that's a whole other long story. He's still, he's still on his journey, huh? <laughs> uh, it, well, he uh, finally, uh, to show, I had to bail out at a certain point, and I bailed out at just about the right time when uh, his he was seeing a much younger woman who had attached herself leech-like to all of his resources. Sure. And I managed to get out with probably one-third of the assets I was entitled to, but I got out with something, and I got out. <laughs> I think she uh, remained attached until that there wasn't a house anymore. Until, until the better end, huh? Yeah. So what made you go from being a listener to a creator or to, you know. Well, I had, now we go to real backstory. Yeah. Back in the 80s, I had a circle of friends and I, and we made cassettes for one another. Yeah. Sweet and man. I don't know if you did with little sketches yeah. <laughs> and we'd cut some audio samples. Mm -hmm. and yeah. That became every time somebody did a tape, it was that. And soon we were, my friend Mitch went on this road trip and mailed back monologues. It was finally a series of 20 cassettes of him doing monologues and interviewing the people. And that opened up the whole thing to all, a whole era of crazy tapes we all made. <laughs> and once yeah. podcasting happened, it was almost inevitable I was going to try doing the same thing within the, I mean, we didn't have the, the realms of copyright to worry about. Sure. And my earliest podcasts were pretty sloppy, which is why they're not on Onsunk. There's a bunch on archive.org mm -hmm. that nobody's taken down. But, yeah, there's copyrighted music and other crap on them that I wouldn't put on Frank's network. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's really what it grew out of were all these tapes. Although, oddly, when podcasting started, I went back to all the friends who made tapes and said, hey, this is it. We, we, we They were absolutely reticent. Really? It's okay to do something between a few friends. Oh. But like you said, I, you know, in their professional life, their personal life, that stuff being out in public oh, discomforts gotcha. them. Ah, I see. So time had passed and things had changed and, and maybe whatever uh, was happening. Well, now, I mean, half the stuff... Happening. We used to do, I wouldn't dare post it online. I mean, <laughs> right, so we used to have very edgy, you know, comedy that we sure. thought we were doing. And I'm sure it wasn't very funny, but well, it certainly funny. wasn't very politically correct. If it's funny to you, it's funny, right? So, uh, oh, yeah, so. we had fun doing it. That's really, that's yeah. it. That, what it's all about, making podcasts or anything. I just enjoy the process for some reason. Now, I, I remember uh, back then I actually got a, uh, in those, and that, this would be like um, early 80s, maybe mid 80s. Uh, I actually got a dual cassette uh, system so that I could yep. make copies of things easily. Um, and, you know, basically a dubbing feature was all built into it and everything. Yeah, that was kind of the highlight back in those days. And, and we used to, uh, yeah, do just silly stuff and and play DJ. I actually still have a couple of tapes. Uh, they're actually in my garage. I just saw them a few minutes ago when I was out there oh, doing something. Me. 
And uh, yeah, it's just like, uh, it's all a, you know, the progression to get people to where uh, we are today, which, you know, I, it, you know, we're both uh, of a certain age, we'll put it that way. Yeah. And um, it, I always think back and I think of uh, how more difficult it was, you know, then than it is now. And I always think, oh, it's so much more fun uh, whenever you had such frustration uh, creative oh, working with reel to reel tape well i worked in radio also yeah. i was going to say you i was just get, get to that question which was you go back a little bit into radio as well so. yeah from like 1980 on and off into the 90s at times i did uh, like terrestrial radio and yeah back when i started you I was doing commercials and you were editing these reel tapes and cutting the tape on an editing block. And it just, but some of that equipment now, I mean, that's, I'm amazed I was allowed to touch these reel to reel decks. Now they're yeah. almost priceless. That kind oh, of I know you can, if you could find one, some of those are worth some money if, depending on the brand and everything that people. All these really, T-Acts we yeah. had were just like probably professional recording studio quality. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I know my, uh, uh, a colleague of mine, we used to go to this, uh, you know, kind of, uh, not corporate, but uh, public garage sale for governmental things. And, he was always on the lookout for real to real because he'd buy it for you know ten bucks and he'd be able to sell it for five hundred bucks. Oh yeah, people find the tapes and they need something to play them on, if nothing else, to transfer them. Because right. you look and see what it costs per hour for oh, one of these guys to transfer your precious family real to real tape. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a racket, isn't it? Oh my well, god! Well, it's a you it's, know. A, it's a it's a business, I guess. Yeah, but, it's just, um, just like the people who sell old time radio. It's like, yeah, okay, you made those, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I found footage, uh, found footage audio. I guess would be like that. So the other thing is that interesting that I find it out as I, I uh, talk to people is that there's a lot of folks who are more musically inclined uh, who are doing this. So I know. You're in a, uh, been in several bands, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. heard. Yeah, over the years, oh. I'm always, and that helped. Uh, that, yeah. Well, at, at a certain point, at first, I was like taking the time to find Creative Commons music and using very little because my stuff. Let's face it, nobody's going to come running offering PQ River a recording contract on some label. It's me having fun, and that's fine, but. Uh, I just got tired of like having to look and dig and I figured, okay, I can slap something together. And that encouraged me to find other people and do more music than I would have. Just yeah, to add the content. I, I know that you, and maybe not recently, but I, every once in a while, because we're uh, friends on Facebook and so forth, it pops up and you're busking. You're out on the, on the street uh, playing. Yeah, I've been uh, playing back, but uh, there's an arts festival happening at the beginning of December that I was in. That it may be my farewell public performance, <laughs> which I say every time they drag me out. But uh, yeah, December 9th, if anybody's near Truth or Consequences. <laughs> yeah, you can see PQ playing on the 
um, at the festival there. Actually, I'll be making there. weird audio collage. Your voice may turn up in the mix oh. at random. You never yeah, know. That'd be all right. If you need me to do anything particular, just tell me. Well, what I do is I have this bank of all the audio collages, including the ones Jimbo made. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I set them on random while we do a music performance. And just whatever happens to come out is part of the performance and the magic and... It's the uh, it, 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 it sounds a little bit like the the paranormal stuff where they have the the radio frequencies that pop out words. It's, a, it's very close it. to that, but I actually curated the samples. Oh, okay. It's just that there's probably over five hours of samples, none over twenty seconds, mm. and I put them through something that just kicks them out at random. Oh, it's wild though. It's a, a probably pretty. Uh, funny whatever pops up though oh yeah not some really neat juxtaposition then, yeah let's say the juxtaposition of what pops out and in, in relation to whatever else you're playing it could be uh it could be it could be all kinds of things there yeah so why do you think i guess uh, obviously it's a creative outlet but why do you think that uh, folks who are more musically inclined kind of gravitate towards this stuff is it just the creativity or is there more an outlet music? an opportunity that maybe somebody because well if you're a musician you're hungry for more people to hear you so this is more people might listen for this and hear you playing your song and yeah that's probably the thinking yeah i, I can only imagine and then the other thing i was uh, thinking about it seems like uh, at least for people who are uh, on the unsug uh, onsug, I can't remember how we're supposed to pronounce it. Uh, well, it's on, onsug, technically. I mean, you really yeah. have to spell it out because it's oh, just because yeah. otherwise people will get, I'll get confused, much less people. But it seems like that there's um, the folks who are involved in that and, and also in other, it, I, I say at least in the beginning of things, let, let's put it this way. So it, we're kind of the um, uh, Typical outsider, kind of, you know, out, creative outsiders. You want to yeah, no, it, it, way, it's man? definitely outsiders. I mean, even the ones who aren't artists, their tastes run completely to outsider stuff. Yeah. I mean, now we're getting into much more mainstream thing over the last probably five years or something. But uh, in the in the beginning there, uh, very much uh, eclectic and I would say non-traditional, uh, uh, you know, people. Well, are a lot of paranormal and conspiracy theories. And yeah. And just in, in general, just being kind of, I don't know, high, I always say high strangeness is one of those words that can mean oh, so Oh, yeah, much no, stuff. outsider culture in general. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, so we would mention the blockbuster movies, but then we would focus on movies that eight people saw. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like um, uh, there was that uh, we did the overnight uh, the exit ramp on on Sug uh, recently. You and I both were on there and talked about the Anthony Newley movie uh, Frank was talking about, which I still haven't. I got to look into more, but uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name of it. But um, it, it just is such a weird esoteric kind of thing that no one would probably even know about had they not i mean well, like the Finks, at the moment. which is another one from about that era it was the last 
they call it the last big Hollywood movie. It's about a fake band that the CIA puts together to sneak into Russia. But it's just so crazy. And there's one scene where every ex-celebrity on earth, Johnny Weissmuller, Edgar Bergen, it's the last appearance of Hans Hall and Leo Gorsi. Oh in one big scene and the camera just pans over. It's just, it's worth seeing this crappy movie just for that one scene. It sounds like uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper's uh, on film. <sighs> Oh the, no! The, the, the this is much more watchable than that Stigwood movie. That oh, oh no, I mean, man, that Peter Frampton. Oh, yeah. but I watched it again recently just to make sure it was really bad, and boy, it is. <laughs> it yeah, it doesn't even gain it. anything from nostalgia at all. With the Bee Gees and all that, yeah. Oh, oh my. It's amazing how they'll allow them to do that, but then they won't release uh, songs for uh, uh, commercials. Uh, but hey, whatever. Uh, just, it's just it's Yoko and Paul decide these things. It's outside <laughs> of my realm. <laughs> so if uh, if you were going to give somebody advice, you're like, okay, somebody says, I want to try to do some of this stuff, podcasting and what have you. Would you have any advice to give to anybody who came to you? Yeah, maybe a younger person or something. Hmm. Don't, especially, don't expect the people who know you to ever listen. They've heard you day in <laughs> and day out, and they're not going to go out of their way when you're, I mean, if you go away for months to come, they might tune in. Mm -hmm. But the people you in your, it, it just, it ne almost never happens that, that those aren't the people who are going to listen to your shows. It's just, it's going to be total strangers, people you barely know, new friends, maybe, but mm -hmm. the people, you know, you're not going to get them on and they're not going to listen. That's, you're also, <laughs> the odds are that you will never have more than 50 listeners. If you can't take that, but these are the things you need to know before you even make the effort. Yeah, everybody's not Joe Rogan out there. Oh, and or Joe Rogan wasn't always him. Joe Rogan. Right, yeah. He was in the right place at the right time and had some celebrity status there coming into it. So, yeah, yeah. no, it, it's true. It's true. Um, I mean, it, Red it Bar. Is the only podcast I know that's still going from back in the days when you were first starting. Yeah. And I don't think he's made that. I don't, he's not famous. I don't think he's made, he's maybe made a living and I guess he tours his thing around, but I, you know, he's not rich or anything, right. I wouldn't think. Yeah. That's what and, I, the, the funny thing is, people even thought that even before I was on a, uh, a thing, there, something popped up uh, after all this kind of started called streamingmedia.com. And and I was uh, uh, friends with Scott Baker, who actually I interviewed because he was part of that uh, a long time ago. And even back then, there wasn't anything called podcasting, but people were still hiring, oh, how we're going to market this and how we're going to make money. And I got on this panel and I'm like, what are you talking about? And everybody is so mad at me because I'm like, 
Why are you worried? People about work this? in radio happen. their whole lives, <laughs> and they are they're making forty thousand dollars a year. Right. You just forget about it. This is not a field where there's a shortage of people willing to step up and do it for nothing. That's true. That's true. Exactly. And there's just so many right now. I, I don't. I I, uh, I dip my toe. Uh, into it recently just to look around again and i'm just uh aghast at how much it's how many more shows Gene are out there shepherd uh, do you think that yeah. guy made any money out of his radio career <laughs> no I, I think he made all his money after he passed away after that christmas story well, that movie yeah and the, the sequel's coming out supposedly oh, yeah. this year yeah uh, I, 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 I i can't imagine it will be likable, but if he gets a slice of that leg lamp business, he, that his family will be set. But uh... yeah, but his what fact <laughs> his he didn't talk to his sons, and the last time I read anything, his kids begrudgingly might like him, and that. <laughs> but I guess if they, if anybody, they put they had a rotten father, so I guess they, they let him have yeah. the money if that makes him happy, because yeah, That's... he was not apparently. Uh, a tender, think, loving father. I think he was kind of a uh, absentee from my. Well, like that movie that was based on him to a certain degree. I think. Uh, God from the seventies. God, a thousand clowns. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I've never seen that, so. Oh, you ought to. That's kind of based on him and. Uh, a friend of his wrote it, and then he never spoke to the friend again as long as he lived. So it must have hit a nerve <laughs> a little, somewhere. A little too, a little too close to home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so uh, before we before we go, I was going to say, is there, any, is there anything you want to talk about that you're doing now? I mean, I know you talked about overnight sleep. So no, actually, let me, before we get to that, let's talk about uh, Jimbo, because... Uh, Jimbo oh. passed away uh, about two years ago now, maybe two longer. Twenty seventeen. It's been Seriously, five years. Five years. Yep, oh I believe God. so. Four or five. Twenty eighteen, the latest. But um, I mean, unless I'm really Jimbo. confused, which I could be, but yeah. <laughs> you work with Jimbo pay more than uh, others. Uh, yeah. Did you want to say anything about? I mean, and, and give us a little background on Jimbo and, and so forth here. Jimbo, just I, I used to play Vic and Sade, uh, which is an old time radio show with this really unique kind of humor. On my uh, other show, I think at the time it was Night Project. Uh, I usually also do a, some variety series or other. Uh, and Jimbo first started emailing me just appreciating and i invited him to contribute and he showed me his website and i realized that i had met if not the they can say it expert living who knew everything about it darn close and that he was really obsessed with that show uh and then he started making segments for my shows and we started doing stuff together and and that last phase of Quake Reversal Satellite he did with me he was virtually a co-host of the program. Mm -hmm. And he took over uh, when I pot was going to pod fade on Overnightscape Central. He jumped in and hosted it for a year. And mm -hmm. literally exactly a year he did the show and he passed on and I took it back over. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it just it, fascinating that he was so into that uh, uh, show. But the interesting thing was he did so many other Oh, he did this one show. He wrote scripts with Hometownville. That was just, and he created all these characters and sent everybody these scripts for us to read our parts. And he took the time to edit them together with sound effects. Mm -hmm. And it was so, it's so complex. It's almost like the goon show. It's almost unapproachable like the goon show. Yeah, I did but, some voices for Hometownville. I know you did a lot of stuff for Hometownville. It was just Jed, a fun, uh, yeah. uh, fun little project that uh, he just kind of invented and, and was you know quite the force to pull it all together. I mean, it's just a lot of work. I, I thought of doing that, but just the idea of doing all the voices myself and then editing it all together for something more than a minute long is like, yeah, I'm not, I know it, it gets to be too complicated too fast. Yeah, oh. But uh, yeah, uh, poor Jimbo, uh, like you said, passed away and uh, it was kind of a big force there. I, I did, uh, as you did, I individual episodes with him where we talked about certain topics. We did this, uh, these radio plays, essentially. And, um, and, and he did other stuff as well. And then obviously the central uh, whenever he uh, took that over for a while, and um, it just, just kind of a wild. Uh, oh no! Ride. Just such a kind, good-hearted, good-humored person. On top of it all, he really was one of those one in a million, almost Mister Rogers types. But mm-hmm. his life story was a little ruggeder. God, and he was very forthcoming about right. stuff and. Whew, yeah, he had a tough time there, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 he, he kept trying to be the funniest guy that there ever was, and some days he was. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was always a good time and, and always uh, always kooky. Everything was very kooky and, and uh, avant-garde and, uh, and so forth. It was, it was a fun uh, fun to be involved. So. And I think all that stuff's still on uh, Unsug. Oh, Everything. So. The only thing I regret is that we weren't able to stay in touch with his brother and family. And from what I can determine, any the sister and the brother are no longer with us either. Oh, really? Okay. So everybody... So any legacy left, the tapes, laptop, files. Right. Yeah. And the Vic and Sade website, does somebody take that over? There is somebody who is supposed to take it over, but they could never get passworded into it. It still mm-hmm. exists because it's, but one day it's just going to get. All, yeah. The plug will get pulled somewhere. Yeah. Well, that's, we don't want to end on a sad note. So tell, <laughs> tell us what you're doing and what what you think the future of all this could be, uh, or what maybe will be, or what you'd like it to be. I, as much as I was, I am still trying to think, you have the, that what you're doing with like the video animated character as your icon, I really think visual content also, I mean, yes, you do the show and it's audio, but I think, if it's going to expand an audience and I'm ever going to reach more people 
type going to have to come up with a contrivance like that and make give it a visual component? And I don't want to stand in front of a camera. And, right. I mean, this is nice. I don't mind, but that's not me. That's not how I operate. Well, I know, uh, and it's not uh, in Zoom. They have caricatures that you can control nowadays. So I don't know if that's available uh, as well, all widespread. But I know it's well. It's, I would at least, if I was going to do it, I if they have our good friend Peter Bernard or somebody <laughs> like that, and I get you know, I do it at least half-assed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the Peter Bernard does those American girls as well as the, and scary uh, stories NYC stories. channel. Yeah, all yeah, those stories, stories about Dog Man. Yeah, the Dog Man and uh, and Bigfoot. yeah, we're recording this uh, with video. You're just gonna probably hear the audio on this first, and then the video is gonna hopefully come in. You know, become something else uh, at a later date. Um, but yeah, it, it is. Um, I think you're right. I think so, something like that's going to uh, a lot of people call themselves podcasters and they just do YouTube channels and, you know, it's a YouTube channel with, cause they have video and everything. I, you know, I was not to be a purist or anything because it really doesn't matter, but you know, podcast was denoted because it was this component of audio that you would uh, take with you on an iPod. That's where it all came from. And so yeah, so now we're expanding upon it to become uh, audio and video and so forth. And so it's, you know, it, it's all media in some way, shape or form. Um, well, but, people, uh, uh, unless they're in a car and they can't watch it, right. they want to watch it. They want to watch. Yeah, you're right. That's why TikTok and Instagram oh. and all this stuff is. I have yet. You know? I've seen TikToks on YouTube and compliments. <laughs> I have yet to actually go on. Yeah, TikTok. I I avoided it a little bit myself because it's uh, I just don't have the format. time. Yeah, it's a so short format. I'll fall into it. Please give yeah. me twelve hours of memes and uh, something cold <laughs> to drink. You'll yeah, you get sucked into this whole world, and you'll be like, I gotta go here. Go you here. don't even it's know like what it. you're watching because everything is like between five and thirty seconds long, yeah. and it just becomes this big long brain candy blur. To yeah, me. exactly. It's it's I I've, I've avoided it as well because I'm like I don't know I don't want to get too hooked. At worst, I'm playing stuff. a video game. At least I'm engaging something if I'm playing a video. That's true. Game. At least you're making your hands are doing. You're engaging with the game in some way to have feedback. So, yeah, definitely. Well, tell us uh, tell us what your show is here, so folks can. Uh, the, uh, right now, uh, you can always catch me. Uh, usually Wednesday evenings on onsug.com. I do a program called the Overnight Scape Central that even you can participate in at the end of every show I announce the next week's topic and all the instructions where to mail your stuff and uh, yeah we've been doing it for years and uh, you want to listen we'll be there and yeah, every it, show it, we've it, ever done <laughs> is archived carefully and loving yeah, I know. <laughs> by the amazing Frank Edward Nora He's very and, much the archivist. Uh, yeah, he's much better than I am for these kind of things. Oh, he's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, usually when you have things like this, there's some OCD borderline psychotic fan 
who does all this. Right. But we have, but Frank does it before a borderline psychotic one can get their hands on it. <laughs> Well, thank you, PQ, for taking some time to talk to me. And uh, everybody check me. out uh, what PQ is doing on the Overnightscape Central on ONSUG.com. And he does other shows, Quick Reverse. Just uh, search PQ River in yeah, any reliable search engine, and you'll find all kinds of stuff. Yeah, okay. maybe more than you want. Oh, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Probably. Thanks, PQ. Thank you, Bob.